0: This is Please Go On from The Washington Post, and I'm James Holman. Yes, it's me. Two things I want to say at the top. I've been fighting a frog in my throat, but I've tested negative for COVID every day this week, and I feel fine, even if I sound worse than usual. Second, I want to warn you that this is a heavy episode, with descriptions of violence that might not be suitable for all listeners. Our guest wrote an op-ed about the easy availability of untraceable, unserialized ghost guns, like the 45 caliber semi-automatic pistol that killed his daughter.
1: My daughter, Gracie Ann Muehlberger, was murdered in a Saugus High School mass shooting. My name is Brian Muehlberger. I am her father. I had never heard of ghost guns until that tragic day. So that kind of uh, launched me into this personal agenda item to to correct some of the legislation and issues around ghost guns.
0: Over the next few minutes, you're going to hear Brian describe the most agonizing morning of his life. Then, we're going to discuss why he wants you to hear his story. That story begins on November 14th, 2019.
1: So Gracie had just turned 15 about four weeks prior to the shooting. Uh, She was a freshman in high school, getting ready to enjoy some of the best times of her life, uh, as as we all got to during our high school lives. And she had uh, arrived at school that morning a little early. My wife and I were actually at a surgery center. My wife had a scheduled ACL surgery that morning. So we're about 25 minutes outside of town. And uh, she got there waiting for some friends in an area called the Quad. She was standing there having a good time, chatting it up with friends. They were talking about the high school dance, her first high school dance that was going to occur that Saturday. And they were waiting for a friend of hers to to show up. They were working on a project together. So they were all kind of meeting before class. While that's going on, unbeknownst to all of them, a young man uh, who had just turned 16 that morning uh, had showed up to campus early that day. He went to an area uh, in the back area of the quad, and this is all on the film footage that they have of the quad. And he uh, stands in kind of this uh, quiet area looking at what's called a legacy wall. It's like a memory wall of students that had passed. So he just stands there for 35 or so minutes and then decides to move from that location at about seven, about 734, 735. And he goes over and literally stands point-blank range next to this group of kids, and they they don't even know he's there. You know, they're just laughing and being jovial and having a great time. It was a beautiful Thursday morning, and he stands there with his backpack on the ground in what the uh, homicide detectives describe as a trance-like state. I've yet to see the video footage. We just have, have friends and family that have seen it, and he stands there for about another three or four minutes before putting on his sunglasses, looking at his watch, and pulling the gun out of his out of his backpack. My daughter had just, unbeknownst to her, she's now standing within a, a foot or two from him with her back towards him, uh, not knowing this is going on. He pulls the gun out of his backpack, fires once right into her back, goes through her backpack, goes through her chest, outer front left chest, punctures her lung, drops her immediately. The kids are kind of stunned at this point. He kind of fires another one, jams the gun, clears the jam. Now kids start running to some extent. He fires off a number of additional rounds, shooting Dominic Blackwell, the other little boy who was 14 at the time, murdering him and shooting uh, three other kids uh, before taking the gun on himself. Two of the three other kids were actually all friends together. So uh, Addie was my daughter's best friend, neighborhood friend, had known her since we moved here in 2013. She was shot. Uh, Once in the back, came out her side, barely missed her spine. She panicked, ran basically in front of his aim of fire, got shot a second time in the shoulder. She survived, went to a lockdown room. Another girl named Mia, who was Dominic's best friend, was standing there talking to Addie when that occurred. We believe one of the bullets came through Addie and got into her, going into her abdomen area and lodging in there. And then she took off towards her room as well. And then another little boy named Andrew was also was also shot. Those three survived. Um, he took the gun on himself, um, killing himself immediately. Here I was the whole time sitting at the surgery center, not knowing all this is going on, until about 7.43 when my son starts texting me. He's a junior at the high school and starts t- telling me that, uh, hey, Dad, we're under lockdown, but just in case, I love you. As
0: hard as that story is to hear... These families aren't alone. To put this in perspective, ghost guns were used in nearly half of the firearm deaths in San Francisco last year. Here in the nation's capital, D.C. police say ghost gun seizures have jumped from just three in 2017 to 306 last year. Chillingly, of more than 280 arrests for ghost guns so far this year, nearly 100 have involved teenagers. I asked Brian to explain what makes ghost guns so frightening and what he's trying to do about it.
1: So it's called Ghost Gun because, you know, it's supposed to be unserialized and kind of secret, so you can't trace it. So kind of think of a ghost as something you can't see or trace. But in reality, it's nothing more than a kit gun. You can buy the parts in various different componentry online. You can buy them one piece at a time. You can buy just the slide, you can buy the lower, you can buy the other components, mechanisms, magazines, etc. Or you can buy it all in a kit. And uh, the ATF classifies them as not firearms because they're not complete. So they classify them as 80%, which means kind of 80% complete, not 100% complete. Though uh, they're more like 99.9% complete, takes uh, 30 minutes to an hour max to fully assemble and complete them. And 100% of the time, they become firearms. So we're working with uh, with Giffords Law Center to uh, w- with a lawsuit injunction we've got against the ATF to change their ruling and classification to treat these as firearms so that all the laws can be in place. Uh, but since Biden came in to be president, he has uh, issued an executive order to the ATF to actually make some changes. So we're waiting for that to finalize this month. Otherwise, our lawsuit will be reinstated.
0: Brian opened his op-ed for The Post by explaining how he ordered a ghost gun kit online in Gracie's name.
1: I actually did it because I was preparing for another interview, and, you know, I didn't really know much about ghost guns. You know, the the firearms I have were either hand-me-downs from my parents, my father, or purchased legally um, and registered. And so I wasn't really familiar with the term ghost gun nor building and acquiring firearm componentry and building it yourself. So, in preparation for this, I decided last minute while sitting on the recliner one night, I'm gonna buy one of these guns and I'm gonna get the kit and I'm gonna put it together just to see how easy this really is. And I uh, went to one of the websites online. I won't mention it here, purchased a kit, found a kit for about $600 dollars, uh, included everything. So I put in my order, took me about 60 seconds to two minutes. To put in my my information and credit card, and right before I hit submit, I said, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this in Gracie's name, so I changed the the name to her name and uh, and hit submit, and that was as simple as it was. And uh, you know, at that time it was right before the COVID lockdown, so we ended up having a mass run on ghost guns across the country as people got a little concerned about what was going on politically and so forth, and they wanted to protect themselves. So they ended up in a backorder state, and for some reason ours kind of missed that cutoff. So it took us about eight weeks to get the firearm but then it it arrived at our house with her name on it. What did it feel like when that package arrived in the mail? It just proved, without a shadow of a doubt, that it's that easy to acquire one of these. You don't even have to be alive. You don't even have to use your own credit card. Even though it was me doing it, you know, yes, we all know that, but on the other end of this transaction, you don't know who's actually purchasing, and it just goes to show that it's that simple.
0: Like many Americans, You were unfamiliar with this idea of ghost guns until your daughter was killed now almost every week there's a story in the news about someone else getting murdered by one of these or a police department warning about how prevalent they are in the community just two weeks ago in the atlanta area there was a 13 year old boy who was allegedly finishing ghost guns that he was ordering online and then selling them to people. Authorities say he accidentally shot his sister, killing her. This kind of thing is happening all the time now. You're following this issue very closely. How prevalent are ghost guns?
1: It's extremely prevalent. You're hearing about it more and more, which means more and more people know about it, which is good. They're aware of the problem. But they're also aware of how easy it is to obtain. So you're getting a mix of people now acquiring them. You're getting people who should not own firearms, maybe aren't trained in firearm safety, um, as well as the bad people out there. And there is evil in this world, as we know. So anybody that says otherwise is just blatantly wrong. And it's the people that want to hide, don't want things to be traced, you know, care about government involvement in their lives, whatever it may be. And they're out there buying these things because they are. Unserialized and untraceable, that's a big component to it. You know, I think, you know, I don't want the government tracing my my stuff. I get it. But I also believe in the fact that you should, you should be only allowed to purchase things that you're legally allowed to own. It's not really about Second Amendment rights. It's about logical laws and rules, right? You know, I mean, I have nothing to hide. You know, you can do a background check on me all day long if you want. Not going to find anything. I don't really want the government tracking my stuff, but I also get it that we have to have some of those rules. I mean, we have to go and take a driver's test to drive a car, right? I have to um, show that I'm 21 to legally buy liquor in most states in the United States, if not all of them by now. But with these, you can literally go online and buy them. It doesn't matter what age, mental, sound capabilities. You know, you could be crazy or you could be a perfectly normal human being. Back to the conversation about
0: regulation. You mentioned that the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms has this deadline to issue a new regulation. And if they don't, then your lawsuit continues. What do you want the ATF to do? And do you think they're going to do it?
1: We haven't been in touch with them. We filed the lawsuit in, in November of 20. Then Biden did his thing. So it kind of pressed pause on our lawsuit. But at the end of the day, we want them to basically change the classification of these components to treat them as firearms. If you're going to be building a lower for a firearm, that is a firearm at the end of the day, regardless of whether you have the slide yet or not, it's a firearm. I think the slide should be regulated as well as parts. Yeah, every single nook and cranny pin and bolt and screw, you know, no, those can be used for lots of things. You don't need regulations for that. But you do need, especially if you're going to put this in in a combined kit or the ability to then buy all the, you know, handful of parts necessary, you need to treat it as a firearm, because at the end of the day, it becomes a firearm 100% of the time, so we need to treat it as such.
0: When President Biden last spring directed the Justice Department to formulate a rule under which the ATF would classify these gun kits as firearms, there was a period of public comment on the rule that lasted until mid-August, and there were approximately 250,000 comments submitted, including from many people who oppose changing the rules. You read some of them and reflect on it in your piece. Some of the comments call the rule change disgraceful or a huge overstep into the rights of American citizens. What's your reaction to that pushback?
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty typical for any activist agency, NRA, Giffords Law Center, you know, it doesn't matter what side you're on. As part of any initiative, they'll say, hey, here are three different templates you can use, copy and paste, and send it to your senator. And that's exactly what a large percentage of those comments are. They're just boilerplate-type comments. Then there are comments on those on both sides of the fence, those that don't want to be regulated and don't believe the ATF should do anything, And those that believe, like I do, that this is kind of insane that anyone can buy these things and do any damage with it. Now, I always challenge anybody that feels otherwise to sit down and have a conversation with me because I can guarantee if it's your son or daughter or friend or loved one, uh, you're going to have a different opinion, right? And, you know, I would have never thought in a billion years that I'd be sitting here in this situation. I've lived my life fair and responsibly. You know, I've provided for my family. I've, I've made sure my kids are raised right. And for this to happen to me, means it can happen to anybody. Here my daughter was standing at school preparing for her fun weekend for her first dance, and someone murders her because of the accessibility of these things.
0: We'll be right back after a short break. As we've been waiting for that federal action, we're seeing some states try to do something about ghost guns. Most recently, in California, where you live, the Democratic governor there, Gavin Newsom, announced over the weekend that he will work with the state legislature to enact in California a version of Texas's restrictive new abortion law, which private citizens can enforce via lawsuit. Except in the case of California rather than targeting abortion providers Newsom wants to empower Californians to go after anyone who as he put it manufactures distributes or sells untraceable ghost gun kits what do you make of governor Newsom's approach
1: i'm not a huge fan of governor Newsom i think he's shooting from the hip here i i do believe that you know we've got to, to make sure there's some legislation in place. I think the way he's approaching this one is almost in response to what's happening in Texas with some of the abortion laws. Um, so even comparing the two makes absolutely no sense to me. I don't even know why that would be part of the conversation, but it is. Um, at the end of the day, you know, he needs to take the laws we've got and make sure that they're working effectively. We have ghost gun laws. We have some of the strictest gun laws in, in the country. That's not the problem. It's the accessibility of these firearms nowadays. We need to stop it at the source as much as we can. It's only going to get worse. This country is a little far gone as it relates to guns. I've got a lot of other friends that are fighting the fight against guns, just in general, because they've lost their children in other shootings. And that's their prerogative, and I fully support them. I just think that's a mountain to climb that's almost insurmountable. I think we've got a huge mental health crisis in this country that is playing into this epidemic. When you combine the two, you've got a recipe for disaster.
0: We've talked about the availability of the ghost gun kits online, and you mentioned that sales have gone through the roof amid the pandemic. But there's also an infrastructure to support finishing them, making them ready to use. Not only is it horrifyingly easy to go on Google and find ghost gun kits for sale. NBC ran a story late last week about how YouTube prohibited ghost gun assembly videos three years ago, but the site still hosts dozens of the videos, and collectively, they have several million views. What else should responsible people, companies, and other entities be doing to reduce the availability and the ease with which people are getting these weapons and assembling them?
1: I believe in the freedom of information. I think we all have the right to know, but I think there's information that sometimes you're not ready to know, right? At a certain age, based upon your mental aptitude, whatever it may be, just because I care about how a nuclear bomb is built doesn't mean I should know the recipe on how to build one at home. Definitely not when I'm a young kid or somebody that has mental issues. I think they need to do much better at filtering this content it's a huge problem for them to solve even with ai and some of the other tools they have to handle the mass number of videos that are constantly being uploaded and i think that's the problem is they don't have a solution to that but they're still allowing it right and so i think that's just careless and reckless and uh and they're part of the problem there's no doubt uh you know their ability to to pause this or stop this or do other things to keep certain people from uploading certain content is, is more than possible. They're just not doing enough. And in fact, it, it allows them to drive more ad revenue at the end of the day, and that's what they care about.
0: On November 30th, a 15-year-old student in Michigan allegedly killed four of his high school classmates and wounded seven others with a handgun that his parents bought him. Three days later, the local prosecutor announced that her office is charging those parents, with involuntary manslaughter. That's a felony punishable by up to 15 years in prison. What do you make of the decision to prosecute these parents?
1: They should be 100% prosecuted. They are just as liable. I would have gone with second-degree murder charges for them instead of first-degree like their son's supposed to get. It's very clear that they... Purchased the firearm for this young man, it's perfectly clear that they knew he had a firearm on him the day of. They knew he had access to a firearm. That is 100% clear in all the posts that they made. And for them to sit there in the office that morning at the school dealing with an issue with what their son was drawing, showing some issues and cries for help, and not even giving a hint to the administration that, hey, by the way, we did buy our son a gun this weekend. Um, I think we might want to uh, double-check to see where that's at. That would be a sound parent's strategy. These parents failed this young man. They failed the school, and they failed definitely the families of the the four victims that were lost in this case. It's, it's, uh, it's ridiculous. In our case, the parents failed as well. The father was already dead. The mother claims that she didn't know any better, that there were any guns in the house. So it was kind of our word against theirs, and the DA threw our case out. So— Brian what do you want
0: Gracie's legacy to be
1: you know as parents of a of a murdered child the the first and foremost thing you want to do is make sure their name is never forgotten and you do that because they can no longer live their life and and be known for whatever contributions they give to society and so you do it on their behalf Gracie was a, a funny loving carefree individual who loved to just, you know, have a good time, you know, be with her friends, make them happy and laugh. We want the same. And so through the Gracie Strong Foundation, which is the foundation we set up in her honor, uh, we're working on ways to to help with some of the mental health aspects of the teenage years, uh, as well as helping kids figure out their voice so that they can they can use it in positive ways. So we're working on a project called the Way Journal, and Way is an acronym for "Who Are You." Uh, it comes from a conversation we were actually having with Gracie the week of the tragedy, trying to help her figure out who she was and where she was going. We want to build a guided journal that allows kids to kind of figure out who they are a little better, because we believe that if if the youth of this country figure out who they are and what their core beliefs are, and stand up for those beliefs, they can make change for the good of the world and their own lives. And, you know, in addition to that, you know, being able to understand that their voice is powerful, whether it be, hey, I need help, I'm struggling myself, or I know someone's struggling, or I just saw something that kind of concerns me and I need to say something. We've had a number of incidences just in the last six months here in Santa Clarita where somebody spoke up at the right time and, and adverted a situation. They saw somebody write something in the bathroom. They saw somebody post something. Uh, and they were able to get the authorities involved quick enough and and you know avoid the issue. So it's extremely important that the kids uh, in in our communities uh, realize the power of that. This isn't tattling. This isn't being a anarch narc and you know uh, that sort of thing. This is, this is about protecting you and your loved ones and your future. Because I'll tell you, the kids that I meet with uh, from our community uh, are still shaken up two years late later. It is affected them for the rest of their lives this is not something that'll ever go away uh, especially those that were immediately impacted
0: i'm so sorry for your loss and for the pain for the whole community i really appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk about gracie and what you're trying to do to honor her legacy
1: thanks james i appreciate the time and the opportunity
0: This week marked nine years since the massacre at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut, when a single gunman shot and killed 20 first-graders and six staff. Even with majorities in both chambers of Congress and control of the White House, Democrats have failed to pass any gun control legislation during the first year of the Biden presidency. In a speech to mark the anniversary of Sandy Hook, President Biden highlighted gun violence prevention funding in his Build Back Better bill, which is stalled until next year. And he called for the passage of three gun control bills by the Senate. As a nation, the president said, we owe these families more than prayers. We owe them action. Please Go On is produced by Julie Deppenbrock. With editing from Allison Michaels, Renita Jablonski, and Michael Duffy. This episode was mixed by Veronica Simonetti. Our theme music is by Ted Muldoon. The show notes include links to Brian's op-ed and the website for the Gracie Strong Foundation. I'm James Holman and I'll be back next week with another episode because there's always more to say.